I'm more excited to be talking to you about task management. You are going to love it. We have to accept that tech is coming into the world and we have to prepare our, our pupils for the real world. This method is really a game-changing way of invigilating, to be honest. Welcome to the Surpass Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Surpass Assessment Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Georgie from our product communication and training team. Hello. And we'll also be featuring parts of an interview recorded earlier this month with our senior um, solutions architect. No, that's wrong. <laughs> He's a technical <clears throat> architect. <laughs> our senior technical architect, uh, Tom Gomesol. Um, but unfortunately, Tom couldn't join us today. So we recorded an interview earlier um, where he will talk about some of the more technical details of our topic, which is loft or linear on the fly testing. Um, I don't think there's too much to give as a preamble to this one. Um, basically, linear optimization we've covered in the past, about three years ago, we um, started developing a, well, three years ago, we launched a linear optimizer in the SPAS platform. Uh, and that opened up all kinds of new possibilities for testing how tests are delivered, test security, return on investment for item writers. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Georgie. You've explained this to numerous members of this past community uh, plenty of times in different presentations. So you've got some notes written up, haven't you? Let's start with, for anyone out there who doesn't know what loft is or what linear optimization is right at the start what what is loft yeah so loft stands for linear on the fly testing um and with this kind of testing you create constraints to select items from your item bank so this can include selecting items based on their content and also their psychometric constraints um so when the test is generated using these constraints it creates a unique test for each candidate so each of these tests contains different but equivalent content and items I think just um, to expand on that a little bit, so what we often talk about is each candidate has the same test because that, that ensures that everybody has received um, an equal testing experience. However, with the, the very nature of LOFT, you can't deliver exactly the same test, but we make sure that it's equivalent contest by using uh, p-value and discrimination index. Uh, is, is that correct? Is that um, how you describe so it? P-value and discrimination index are classical test theory, but uh, with loft we use um, item response theory to select the items for the test. Um, right. But you're right in saying that we make sure that the uh, content is equivalent. So a kind of traditional way of testing is using fixed forms. And like you say, that's because then you can guarantee that the difficulty of the test is exactly the same for all the candidates mm. who sit it. Um, and so that is a concern when you move to dynamic testing, is making sure that the difficulty is the same for all candidates and therefore your test is fair. Um, so LOFT enables you to do that in a much more reliable way um, <clears throat> because it, it guarantees that the difficulty of the items is equivalent. If you use LOFT with IRT data, then it, it looks at that, um, which is the difficulty level essentially of the data, which is a bit more of an advanced way of doing it than p-value. Yeah, and I believe uh, in the interview with Tom, we do cover a little bit. There are certain boundaries of which the, the difficulty has to be measured within to make sure the test is valid and considered equivalent. So um, maybe we'll play a little bit of that interview now and go into a bit more detail on that. So join us after these words from Tom. Okay, well, LOF stands for Linear On The Fly Testing. So the concept is that you have 
a pool or bank of items that are available for a form. And then for each candidate, you select a subset of those items. Uh, usually that will um, conform to certain psychometric and um, content constraints. So that each candidate will get a different set of items, or at least no two candidates will get the same set of items. But there will be equivalents, both in terms of psychometric characteristics, so the, the difficulty uh, and the mm. spread of difficulty of those items, and also in terms of the content, so how many items you get for particular topics or learning outcomes. Yeah, uh, Loft's great for item security as well, isn't it? Because it helps you make sure that you get the, um, well, I suppose, best return on investment. It measures how often each item is exposed, and then you can look at other things like the difficulty of each item and that equivalence there. Yeah, that's right. So uh, if one candidate somehow uh, remembers all of the questions he had and comes out and tells his friend who's doing the exam next week, in Loft, that's unlikely to be of any use to that candidate. So it's a big improvement on, on uh, security. Okay, great. So um, let's talk a little bit about linear optimization and pass then and how that's different maybe to other systems out there. Now, as I understand it, uh, when we started talking about this uh, three years ago, there was a lot of talk about how simulations have to be run to allow for psychometrics. There was a lot of terms in there about uh, item response theory and all these kinds of things. Um, and we've basically created an algorithm within Surpass that would allow people to uh, create easy loft test forms. Is, is that the crux of it? Or am I oversimplifying? Yeah. Well, that's right, yeah. Um... There are two elements to a um, loft form. There's the item pool, so the set of items that are going to be available uh, to be picked from for each candidate, and then the rules. So the rules um, have two parts. Again, there's the content constraints and the psychometric constraints. So they're all rules about which items can be picked, or the, and they cover the whole exam. So that's um, you might define a rule that says I need 10 items for a particular learning outcome and that will ensure that that happens for, for every candidate. Um, if you want to use the psychometric constraints, then you have to have psychometrically calibrated items. So uh, that's IRT score, um, testing or calibration, so that item response theory. Uh, so that's done by uh, psychometricians um, by... Um, testing your items out beforehand um, and calibrating them like that. So I suppose, um, how would they test that? Do they do, do you run those tests as part of an exam the same way you would a normal test item, get the, the candidate feedback from that, who's got it right, who's got it wrong, and then you know use those statistics to, to work out whether it's a, a difficult item, an easy item? Yeah, I, um, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a psychometrician, uh, right. but the... Um, a standard way of getting started with a psychometric exam series is to uh, build a number of fixed forms to be delivered to candidates. Um, and then the, the performance of the items can be analyzed based on, on how candidates answered them uh, in those mm -hmm. exams. And then you've got your psychometrically calibrated items. Uh, once you've got an exam series running, you can then add in non-scored items. So when a, you, author new items, they can be added to mocked forms, uh, used as non-scored. So the, although the candidate is unaware that these items are not being scored, mm -hmm. um, 
they don't count towards his overall mark, uh, and it, all, they're only there to be an, analysed. And then once uh, they have been analysed based on the how they performed, um, they can become scored items, and as necessary, older items can be retired from the pool. Okay, so that was explained uh, in a slightly more technical way, probably um, understood better by some than others. But uh, Tommy is available in the office. If anybody does want to talk about this and have it explained in, in more detail, feel free to get in touch with us, marketing at surpass.com or uh, talk to your account manager. So next on our list, Georgie, we're going to look at the um, the actual item exposure. So again, security and return on investment. Uh, so it's, it's a very business-oriented topic, I suppose, but test security is a, is a massive issue for, well, not an issue, sorry, a massive subject that is covered by uh, the assessment industry because it's important to make sure that tests are secure when you're making sure that you've got doctors who know what they're doing and lawyers and financial experts around the world. Uh, we, we don't want to risk any exposure of the test ahead of time, that kind of thing, do we? So would you like to talk to us a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, the the balancing of the item exposure across the pool is actually a unique selling point of uh, Loft and Surpass. Um, so our Loft algorithm ensures that item, item exposure is optimised across the pool of items, so no one item is overexposed or underutilised, um, which means that uh, obviously test security is improved as you say but also you get value for money from your item authoring because a lot of time and money goes into developing just one item yeah. and so if that was to be used only once or twice then that doesn't provide very good value for money um, and so yeah you, it goes gets both of those um, enhancements from using Loft. Yeah I'd, I'd love to see from uh, some of the past community members and you know, especially those, those really high stakes ones just how many items are only ever used once or twice because yeah. of this risk <laughs> and actually they could be used you know 10 20 times in in the right environment yeah um unfortunately we don't get sight of any of those statistics but if anybody would like to share with us just uh, for our own interest I'd, I'd love to hear about that okay so uh, another question i suppose um would be when you're giving training in surpass do you give people a background on the linear optimizer do you talk to them about item response theory that kind of thing as standard no, we don't include Loft in standard surpass training. Um, however, if it is something you're interested in, then please do speak to your account manager uh, and my team of trainers will be more than happy to cover that with you. Okay. Um, and I suppose the, the reason we don't cover it in standard training is because this this will not immediately be relevant for everybody. Who, yeah, exactly. The platform. Yeah. Um, okay, that, that's good to hear. So... When you do train people on Loft, what kind of things do you cover? What kind of um, reasons have people come to you to ask for linear on, on the fly testing? I mean, does everyone use it as Loft, I suppose? Yeah, so standard Loft uses the psychometric data to select items. That's sort of its primary use case. Um, and some people might use it like that. Um, in order to do that, you need psychometrically calibrated items. You need to pre-test mm -hmm. your items and generate all of that data on them. You and need generally, a lot of items. exactly, yeah, you need you need a lot of items, um, and so that takes a lot of work. And some people might not, you know, have the volume of items to do that. Some people might mm -hmm. not want to do that. Um, however, other people do have use cases for Loft. So um, 
you can use Loft to dynamically select items with relationships. So that's a current limitation of dynamic rules in surpass the standard dynamic rules is that they um, do not work with item relationships. And so what you can do with Loft is you can dynamically select item sets, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you have lots of different case studies and you want to select a different case study for each candidate, then you can dynamically select item sets using Loft. So that's one potential use okay. case. Um, the same with enemy relationships. So if you have lots of enemy relationships in your bank of items, um, you can use Loft to select items that have those relationships and it will make sure that the ones with enemy relationships don't mm. go into the same test and that will validate and that is completely fine. Right, okay. So we've talked about lofting in its normal setting, but actually the way that it's been implemented in pass offers people unprecedented control of what they they want in their exams. Um, I think Tom mentioned a bit more about this in his interview as well. So let's just hear a little more from Tom Gomesall now. Yeah. Okay. So just um, for one last time, hopefully, thinking back to three years ago when we started with all of this, I remember uh, a talk at the SPAS conference um, by one of the team members from Prometric, and they mentioned how the, the simulation time had been cut down. So basically what we've done in the past with the linear optimizer meant that something that would normally take several weeks to achieve could actually be done in a matter of, I think it was minutes, if, if I remember rightly. Um, and also there was uh, th there was no time required to set up simulations that there may have been in the past. Um, so using that to lead in then, what, what has changed over the past three years? What has um, been improved, upgraded, I suppose, in that linear optimizer? Because the, the first one didn't have a user interface today. It was pretty much, um, you know, we, you had to work directly with your team to to get the item information in and, in and out of that. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. So uh, we, we added um, a user interface. So it's possible to define your item pool using the new list functionality. So use the item search to select items based on a number of search criteria, uh, save those items as a list, and then generate a pool from that list. Okay. Um, so things like tags, for example, you, you could search on. Yes, that's right. So yeah. it tags, um, learning, you know, learning outcome is a tag. Um, also, even free text search folders, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, great. So. So what has changed other than the UI then? Um, how has the linear optimizer in pass improved over the past three years? There's been very little change to the actual linear optimizer, so the part that does the selection of the items, but we have made some uh, big improvements to the control you have over the ordering of the items that are delivered. Okay. So originally, the selected items would just be presented in a random order to candidates. Um, but there was a requirement from customers to be able to have some control over that order. So we've uh, added functionality so that the, the test creator can define the order in which the selected items are presented to the candidate. So you could order them, uh, you know, specify which learning outcome you want to come first and second and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. And then even within that, you can define a, um, a tag on which you want to order them. So you could do order them by name, by ID, by just some other tag that you've added that controls the order. Hmm. So I, I've got some notes here because we had a, a quick chat before this just so I didn't sound like a complete idiot. Um, 
an out of my depth, but we basically said that you can order, say, by topic, um, but then even within that topic order. So say you've got a, I don't know, an exam that covers maths, English, science. Uh, you could say, I want it to be maths followed by English followed by science. But then you could also say using the discrimination index that you don't want any items of a certain difficulty to appear within the first five items of each topic to, you know, to ease the candidate into each section. Have I got that right? Yes, that's right. So um, you can add restrictions within each uh, order uh, set. So as you said, you might start with maths items, but then within that you can specify that any items um, with a certain tag value set on them will not be in uh, the first five items, for mm. example. So, you know, like you say, stop the more difficult items being at the start or even preventing them from being near the end as well. Right. Um, I mean, you can even specify the position of a specific item. Um, in, in some cases, uh, psychometricians like to control positions of specific um, non-scored or even scored items uh, as anchor items. So they would say that this item, which is always selected based on the rules, will always be in position 10 within the form. So every mm. candidate will get that same item in that position. So uh, yeah, that can be added. Okay, so it really does give you full control over because lock typically is everything is random, but you could actually say, well, this one particular one I want in this place, you can add um, as many of these rules as you like. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. That the sky really is your limit on yeah. the, the amount of control that you have over the, the test yes. using these new settings, which is fantastic. Um, okay, so we've already said that there is a, a UI in place now as well, a user interface in place for setting some of the, the basic rules. So even someone like me uh, who's working somewhere putting together test forms, I could go in and use linear optimization to create tests for uh, a particular topic with completely random rules. Um, now, we also talked a little bit about the idea of uh, true lock testing. So typically, um, with linear on the fly testing, you're advised to have an item bank that's roughly eight to 10 times the, the size of the test form to ensure that every test is truly unique. Um, but that, that's not necessarily the case here, is it? I mean, obviously, that, that works well for, uh, say, a university way, but all your lecturers creating massive, massive items. But for organisations that may not have the resources to create an item bank of that size, they can still benefit from the linear optimizer by using it for pre-testing in that kind of scenario, can't they? That's right, yeah. Um, as you say, uh, if you're doing true loft where you've got psychometrically equivalent uh, forms being delivered for each candidate getting you know significantly different lists of items then you would need a large pool mm. uh, but there are cases where you loft could be used for any exam where you don't want every candidate to get exactly the same set of items mm. so pre-testing is a good example of that so you could have a fixed form where you have a number of items that are scored that every candidate gets, but then you also have a bank of pretest items mm. that you want to share out evenly across the candidates. So you could define your rules to to say that all of your fixed items are delivered to all candidates, but then a subset of your pretest items 
are delivered to each candidate. So they will be shared out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there is a requirement sometimes from psychometricians to deliver those pre-test items in blocks. So right. you would uh, divide your pre-test items into a number of blocks of usually equal size. And then you could have a rule that uh, controls the number of items, number of pre-test items per candidate. And that would ensure that every candidate gets the whole of one of the pretest blocks. Right. So uh, that that helps with the the analysis of those pretest items. Okay. So there's a lot of functionality that's being considered here, and you know the the, um, the giving that data back to psychometricians. Basically, that, that's where this all stemmed from, and there, there's a lot of functionality that's being built upon there to to really help your psychometricians make the most of it, as well as everyone else. So uh, great. Tell us what's coming up in the next release of SPAS. So we're currently recording this just before what we refer to internally as 1221 is about to go out, but we have some really good stuff coming in 1222, which is due. And I reckon by the time this is actually produced and, and out there, 1222 should be nearly ready for, for delivery. So what, what can you tell us? What's not a, a major secret? Well, there's the um, multiple section control. So up to 1221, a loft pool and rules or set of rules would apply to a single section. So if you wanted it to cover two sections, you'd have to have two separate pools and two separate uh, sets of rules. Uh, in 1222, you're going to be able to have a single pool that, and single set of rules that covers multiple sections. Uh, so those rules will have some extra um, information in them that determines how the items are split between the sections. Hmm. So that allows you to have you know, some items that have the potential to be in either section, um, but also depending on how you control the uh, distribution, you may have certain topics only in section one and certain topics only in section two. Um, And we've also, uh, we're also adding the capability of splitting up the sets. So when I talked about pre-test blocks, they would be defined as sets in surpass. Um, Currently by default, sets are delivered um, consecutively. So the items from a set are delivered consecutively to the candidate. So as a block, uh, that isn't always desirable. If you want them to be split up uh, and sprinkled around the form or mm. or grouped with other items from a similar topic, um, then you would want them to be split up. So we've, we've added that as a new piece of functionality as well. Right, thank you very much for uh, all your time today, Tom. That's been some fantastic information there about the linear optimizer. We've had a little bit of background. You can go and check out some of those older webinars still. They are available on the website. If you want to know more about how other organizations are using linear optimization and LOF, lots of exciting new things coming. We will be continuing the development of linear optimization. You know, it's it's not just a, yep, we've done it now and it's ticked off, is it? It's it's an ongoing thing that we're always improving and working with this past community to improve. If you don't already have access to the linear optimizer, just have a word with your account manager. Um, it's not turned on by default, I think, because it is such a powerful tool. Um, we need to just make sure that people understand how it works and, and that before it's turned on and um, to put it into layman's terms. But uh, we do strongly recommend everybody that has the capacity uh, has a go with it and see is just exactly how it can improve your testing scenario. So yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, Speak to you again soon for another update.
Thank you. Okay, so that was some uh, excellent insight there from Tom. Um, I didn't realize how much I repeat myself when uh, asking these same questions in interviews a couple of weeks apart. I, we have notes in front of us, but we don't do this scripted, <laughs> do we, George? No. <laughs> um, and we, we try to be as natural as possible with the podcasts, uh, unlike the, the webinars. You, you'll have seen Georgie before in webinars, very professional, very yeah. well prepared. Today, I just kind of grabbed you and dragged you into the studio, didn't yeah. I, to, to give me a talk. Um, I but think anyway, professionals more, maybe. Prof- <laughs> Don't know what you're saying there. Do you? um, uh, no implications. No, no implications at all. Yeah. So um, if we do have some materials on loft, as we've talked about before, uh, however, some of those do date back to when we first launched the linear optimizer. Um, especially, you'll see Tom talking at the SPAS conference in York a few years ago. We do keep the SPAS community updated on loft, and I think to finish off today, what would be great, Georgie, is maybe if you could just give us. A general overview of what has happened in those last few years since the initial, um, we talk about XML files, having to get the devs to do some work on that, but we've had a user interface implemented since then, so take it away. Yeah, so in the initial implementation, it was a very much manual job to to set up these loft tests so we didn't have a nice ui for for loft it sat outside mm-hmm. of the pass um there was a, an external optimizer rather than it being built into the uh, and so it was a very manual job to create the item pool in a spreadsheet and um, so you'd create a list of all of the items using the item ids uh, and you'd also create all of your rules in an XML file. And that was the only way to do it. That was the way that you would create a loft test. Mm. Um, However, that wasn't particularly user-friendly. And so since then, we've put a lot of hard work into making this a a much more user-friendly experience to create loft tests. Uh, So we have a nice UI for you to create loft tests in Surpass, which is part of test creation. and we've got our, our design team have put a lot of work into uh, testing out the user experience and making sure it's already user friendly. Fantastic. Um, the algorithm's also built into Surpass now, uh, the, the linear optimizer. Mm-hmm. And um, for example, when you create your item pool, it's no longer in a spreadsheet. You can use our lovely advanced uh, item search uh, capability to find all of the items that you want to go into your item pool. We have some really complex search capabilities there and boolean searches and things like that mm-hmm. so you can really hone the items that go into your pool wow. and you can save them as a list and then when you're creating your loft test you just select one of those lists and that becomes your item pool so it's not a manual job really anymore you just run your search criteria find the items that you want and then put them into a list and that is your item pool for the loft test that's fantastic and i suppose there may be some organizations out there thinking you know, we, we heard Tom talk about how you need an item bank of X size and that kind of thing. But actually, when you pair these developments up with something like the tasks functionality that's already in Surpass, yeah, even a smaller organization could go in, set tasks, have a few item writers, blast variations uh, of, of items using templates in, and then using the criteria that you've just talked about there, the search criteria, it's yeah. very easy to then set those tests up. So even a, a small team yeah. could take advantage of, of something like the linear optimizer. Yeah, and lists are used, like you say, in tasks as well. So you could even have the same list progress through an authoring task, a review task, and then the same list move into a test. So you don't necessarily need to do the same thing multiple times. Once you've found mm-hmm. those items and they're in the list, you could just use the same list in multiple ways. So there really isn't any reason that anybody shouldn't at least consider exploring linear optimization in, in Surpass. Yeah. Excellent. So on that note, I think we'll leave it. Um, 
if you're anything like me, your head is probably trying to process the all of the information from uh, from Tom and Georgie there. But there really isn't that much to it when you're speaking directly to one of our experts. They do a very good job of of translating all that. If you do want to talk to somebody about linear optimization or Loft, um, you can get in touch with your account manager and they would be happy to put you in touch with a member of the team here who can explain in more detail if they can't help you themselves. Uh, likewise, if you're not already a member of the Surpass community, feel free to get in touch with us either marketing at btl.com or using the contact form on our website, surpass.com. And then we can put you in touch with a member of the team who can explore what you do in your testing environment and how Surpass might work for you. So thank you very much for being my guest today, Georgie. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you to Tom as well for his interview. And thanks to all of you in the Surpass community for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. To keep up to date with the latest information from our Surpass community, just visit surpass.com. And we'll be back with another podcast soon. Thank you for listening.